I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't either. I had to go back and look at my notes. I remember the challenge that we laid out. I remember the challenge that we laid out. Last week was about lasting change, right? The lasting change that salvation has on our life. But we, we had a, I placed a challenge out. I put a challenge out there at the end of the service. Anybody remember that? To press into God all week long. Seven days. A lot of y'all told me you took the challenge. Seven days. Lay everything else down. The things that keep you from pressing into God completely and totally being totally sold out to God all the time. We were going to lay those things down for just seven days and see if you didn't get closer to God. See if God didn't move on your behalf. And I, and I trust that he did because I know the God that I serve. So this week I, I was preparing. I was trying to prepare. I was pressing to God. I was studying. I was reading, doing my things that I always do. And I felt that I was supposed to preach on the love of God this week. But always when I'm getting ready to preach, something just jumps out at me. And, and it's just, that's it. I know that's what it is. And when the Spirit leads me to, to, to preach on a subject, I just know that's it. I didn't have that all the way up through yesterday. And I was at Salem Mountain with, with my kids. You got that picture of the rock back there, sis? I was at Salem Mountain with my kids. The ladies went on the trip to Jamesport. I took this picture to show you so you can have a visual. This is one little rock that's about this big around. But I was at Silo Mountain with my kids, and they were playing at the park and stuff, and then there's a trail that goes off the side of Silo Mountain. It's about as wide as a truck, and it's covered in wood chips. And we walked down that thing, and you can see over the whole town. You can see over to East End. You can see down by where Dairy Bee's at. We were higher than the high-rises that are downtown on that hill right there. I'm going somewhere. This is how God spoke to me this week. He used this little rock right here to speak to me. And we were walking down the, the road, and, and we came across this thing. It looked like it used to be an old patio that was made out of rock. It's kind of fallen in now. It had, a, it had a handrail on it and then a fence that went up. I can picture this. There was dozer work that was done on the side of this hill or some kind of heavy machinery that was done on the side of this hill because this hill's steep, and there's a road cut into the side of it. Right? And, the, and the trees are all cut and everything. And this thing's been here for a long time. This town, I know, was a booming town in the 20s and 30s, 1920s and 30s. So I can just imagine this thing is probably from around that time. Right? A lot of tourists and things were here then. They'd get up there and have a, have a pretty overlook of the town and things. Think about that. It's been almost 100 years ago. Just 100 years ago. I mean, it seems like a long time to us. But for a rock, 100 years isn't much. Right? This rock is about this big. And there were a lot of rocks in this wall that were this big to this big. But think about how this happened for this rock to bust up and be turned into cubes. Like you can see the leaves here in the background, how big the rock is. Those leaves are far behind there, though, so it doesn't really give you good context. But the rock's about this big. Think about that, how that would happen, though. The rock would have a little crack in it, maybe. Then the water would, not all the rocks in the wall were like this, just this one rock. The water would get down in that crack, just like it does on our surfaces, on our roads, on our, on our driveways, on our foundation. The water gets there and it freezes, makes a hairline crack. Next time the water gets in there, a little more water gets in there, it freezes and expands and freezes and expands and busts. And God spoke to me this right here. It jumped out at me at that time. I am preaching about God's love. This single rock at the end of this wall right here where the water gets in and, and freezes, everything on earth is falling apart except your relationship with God. Right? He had me preach on that last week, your relationship with God. But everything else on earth is falling apart except your relationship with God and the love you show to others. What you're pouring into other people. Because you can either lift people up or pull people down. And that lasts for eternity. right? Because they pass that down through other people and other people and other people. And their salvation is at stake. And their family's salvations are at stake. And the people they work with family are, are, are salvation at stake. And their family's salvation is at stake. Are you following me? I got a lot out of this. I was excited. I figured I'd get a few more head nods. Sister Tony gets it. So when asked, Jesus, when asked what the most important law was, Jesus said what? In Luke 10, 27, go back and read this. Last week it says, I preached about this. 
Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind. I'm paraphrasing that, but that's the gist of it. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. That's what Jesus said the number one law was. There were 630-something laws in the Old Testament they had to follow. But the number one one is love God with all your heart, all your, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And the number two thing is, he said it in the same sentence, love your neighbor as yourself. So this is kind of a series where you got the first part last week, you're getting the second part this week, okay? So, so Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 25, 37 through 40 says this. Now, leading up to this, it says, I, there's too much to read here. Go back and read it. 20, it it's actually goes on for several more verses. I'm just going to read you a few. 27 through 40. You can start back at the beginning of the paragraph. But he talks about separating the sheep from the goats. He's talking about the judgment day. He's going to bring the, he's going to bring the goats, those ones who didn't listen to him. If you read on this, though, he talks about it. He puts them on the left side. He brings the sheep, the ones who did listen to him, the ones who did show his love off, and puts them on the right side. Then he judges them. And this is one piece out of that. Then the righteous will answer. These are the sheep he's talking about here that are on his right side because he said, he said come, in, come on and enter in. Before this, he says, enter into the heaven. Enter into, the, enter into my king, kingdom that was promised to you from the beginning by God. Right? And then they said, he said, for when you saw me naked, you clothed me. For when you saw me thirsty, you gave me a drink. He goes through all these things. And they said, Lord, when did we see you in this shape? And, and, and we poured into you. When did we see you in this shape? And we loved you. You see, they called him Lord. This is a term of endearment. It goes on to say this for the other side too, the sheep. But get this. They were calling him Lord. The people who were goats were calling him Lord also. So they looked at him as God. They were putting God first. But did they do the second part? Did they love their neighbor as themselves? Let's read this. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? Come on, sis. Let's go through this quick. When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer them and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did did it to me. So when they clothed them, when they fed them, when they came and saw them in jail, when when they saw them as a stranger and they welcomed them in, they did it to Jesus. Not... They did it to Jesus. So that got me thinking, whatever you've done to the least of these, who says who's the least? Who's the judge of who's the least? Because we all have people on our list that we consider the least, whether they work for us or, or whether they, we consider them a servant to us, whether they're our children, whether they're someone around us, whether they're homeless, whether they have a, a, a mental issue, whether they're dirty, they stink a little bit. I just don't want to be around them. I can't stand that person. Are they the least? Whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done it to Jesus. You've done it to Jesus. We value people in certain ways. We have certain things that we place on people, certain stigmatisms that we place on people, and that's where we value them at. And God has certain ways he values people. He loves those people as well. He loves those people as much as he loves you. We have a duty to take care of the weak and the poor. Wouldn't you get this by this? Because he goes on to say in the next, in the next several verses there, he, he talks to the other ones. And he says, you enter into hell, eternal damnation. The fire prepared for the devil, actually is what he says to him. You enter into here because you didn't do these things. The same thing he said to the righteous. Are you following me? Same things he said to the righteous, but the only difference was they called him Lord also. So they both said they loved him. They were, they were giving him a term of endearment. A, a term of respect, 
right? When you call someone Lord, you're lifting them up higher than you are. So they were loving God, but they weren't loving their neighbor. They weren't taking care of other people around them. We have a duty to the weak and poor. Think about Brother Birch. Brother Birch, some, a lot of you all know Brother Birch. He comes and preaches for me on Sunday mornings when I'm gone. You get Brother Birch. He's the older gentleman, and he's pretty fiery a lot of times. He's awesome. I wish I could preach half as good as he can. He told me he's not that good of a preacher once, so he said, I just, I just pray every time that the preacher shows up. <laughs> Talking about Jesus. The Spirit has to preach through him. But everybody I know, Brother Birch pastored, pastored a, a Rosa Sharon for over 30 years. I like that how I looked at my wife. She can, she can finish my sentence. Um, he pastored Rosa Sharon for over 30 years. He's a highly respected individual. How many people have you all heard him? Some of you all that know him. How many people have you all heard him call him, heard call him Daryl? By his first name. We don't do that. We call him Brother Birch. When I was a kid, everybody in the church was brother or sister. Some of y'all that's been around for a while know that. Everybody was brother or sister. You didn't call anybody by your first name. You can call your teachers at school, Mr. or Mrs., right? Miss. They do it downstairs. They call Tony, Miss Tony, the kids do. And that's a sign of showing someone respect. Why don't we show everyone respect? Right? Are you following me with this? Everybody ought to have Brother Birch kind of respect. I understand some people are more respectable, but you're not respecting them because they're respectable. You're respecting them because of what Christ said for you to do and show them love. <clears throat> do our values line up with God's values? His values are always right. Every time, 100% of the time, God is right. If you have a thought in your head that contradicts what God's word says, you need to get down on your knees and pray and repent and turn away from that thought and realize that he's always right. Every time he's right, he's God. He's God. This parable that we just talked about talked about acts of mercy, acts of mercy. We can do all these. We can do them every day. All of us can do them every day is what I mean to say. Acts of mercy are not dependent on wealth, ability, or intelligence, right? We have no excuses, Am I not preaching very good? Are you all just going to be quiet today? I'm on your toes. Should I back up and run through here again? We have no excuses. We have no excuses. We can't, we can't hand over the responsibility of these acts of kindness, of taking care of the poor and the weak. We can't hand those over to the church and to the government. Right? The body of Christ. We're the church. We should be taking care of people. Not that you've got to break yourself, go bankrupt over it, but if you see someone hungry, it doesn't cost that much to buy them a dollar menu. Right? Something off the dollar menu. Jesus demands personal involvement in caring for others, for others' needs. <clears throat> Here's an example of my own life my wife brought out to me this morning so graciously. She's great. She reminded me, when I, when I lived in the world, everybody called me Gene. That was my, my I'm Forrest Eugene Schreier II. My dad was Forrest Eugene Schreier. So and my, my grandpa was Forrest Schreier. So they called him Eugene. My dad was Eugene, and my name was Gene. Besides, I hated Forrest because I was born before the movie Forrest Gump came out. And when it came out, it was, it was horrible. It was horrific. Every day, the first, first day of school, they holler out Forrest, and I, I hated it. So, however, I don't mind it now. I've gotten old enough that I really don't care. But I, I was trying to play some games with my wife when I met her, and I told her my name was Forrest. And uh, <laughs> she's winking at me. <laughs> I told her my name was Forrest, and she started calling me Forrest, and it stuck with everybody. That was about the same time that I got saved, though. So it was kind of a conversion thing. I don't go by the name I used to go by, but if, you, if I run into somebody I haven't seen in 20 years, they call me Gene, and the people from the church don't understand what, who they're talking about. So it's, it's, if you hear them talking about Gene, that's me, but it's, it's the old me before I got saved. So uh, the stories they're telling you might be true, but they don't apply to me anymore. 
<laughs> I'm a brand new creation. Brand new creation. So Gene was in O'Reilly's in, in Kearney, and, and I walked in, and, and I was talking down to the guy at the counter, and, and like he didn't know what he was talking about, and, and I was better than him. My wife reminded me of the story this morning. And when I got ready to pay him, I threw my money up on the counter. Just cocky as you could be. I've heard before that I was so arrogant that you couldn't hardly talk to me before. And she sh- Dina shaking her head, yes. <laughs> I'm going to get off me in a minute. <laughs> so... Mentally, I think, though, when we, when we come across someone like that, if, if, our, if our heart's not right for God, we're not loving our neighbors, I think when we come across someone at a restaurant, a, a waiter, a waitress, we, we decide in our mind that they're here to serve me. So I'm better than they are, and I can talk down to them, and they better get this right, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to give them some what for. Right? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Statistics say that Sunday afternoons are the worst time to work at a restaurant because of you all. Us all, the church body as a whole. I'm not just talking about you specifically, but because of us, because the church body as a whole are hateful and mean and rude to the servants, to, to, to the people who are not servants, the people who are in, in service, professional service. Um, and then another time, another instance is we were at the boat. I know some of y'all don't want to hear that your pastor's been at the boat, but I've never gambled. I, I have gambled a small five bucks or something. I've never had that as a problem. I've never been convicted of gambling. I don't gamble. I don't go on the gambling part of the boat, but I'm a fat guy at heart, and I love crab legs. And they got crab legs there, all of them you can eat. So I go down there to get crab legs. And if you want to judge me for that, you need to read your Bible some more. You need to repent, right? Because the Bible says the same standard you judge me to, you'll be judged. Are you following me? None of us are perfect, but I don't see that as a sin for me or my wife because we're not there for that anyway. However, we went to the boat, and there was a man standing there, and he was asking if there was any leftover food. You can imagine the food they throw out at this place. It's huge. I mean, pretty extravagant place. And the food that they throw out. And he was asking them for anything they threw away. So we came behind him and I asked and inquired. I kind of saw what was going on. And we paid for his meal. It's 40 bucks. So, so that was a way that you treat someone. Why was the homeless guy different than the guy at O'Reilly's? I mean, I was saved at this time. I, but, but even before I was saved, I might have bought a homeless man a meal. Some of you all might give someone standing on the corner five bucks or 20 bucks or some of you might give them 50 bucks if you feel led to but then you go to the restaurant and you talk bad to the to somebody's daughter who's bringing your tea to you oh it's quiet it's awful quiet another example both these people god loves god loves both these people the same way another example is yesterday when we were walking up this path, and I saw this rock, and I was walking along, and we were going uphill, and I was huffing and puffing, and I was trying to talk on my voice notes because I just had an encounter with God, and he was giving me what I needed to know out of this rock that was sitting here. And if I don't record this or write it down, I'm going to forget about it. Any of y'all mind work like that? I had to get it down right away. And my, my younger girls, Katie was keeping up with me, and my younger girls were, and, and Caleb, they were probably 20, 25 feet behind us. So I'm walking up this thing, huffing and puffing, and they had probably a two-gallon bag full of pine cones that they wanted to take home. And I was telling them they're not taking the pine cones home. Put them down. Well, can we take one? Take one apiece. However, so I'm going through the road, and, and Joe chases me down, and she's saying, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, I love you. And I didn't even realize, I, I knew that she was, but she was just being a nuisance to me at the time. You get what I'm saying? You see how cute, cute Joe is? She's three years old, and she's beautiful. But at the time, I was trying to, I was busy with something. Some, you know what I'm talking about. So you get busy with something else. I was recording into this telephone, so I just turned around and said, I love you too, and went right back to work recording what I had to record. 
Instead of the, taking the time to tell that little baby I love her and show her love, what's the difference in her and the homeless man? We have to, we have to show love all the time. Amen. Church, what I'm suggesting here is we're not going to be perfect in this, but we've got to find a balance. Yeah. We've got to find a balance where we need to be at, and we need, to, we need to be that way all the time. Consider your image. Not that it matters what you look like. I'm not talking about how fancy my hair is. I'm saying consider your image. Consider what the world sees of us. Consider what the world sees of you. Because when they're looking at you, they're looking at the church. We are the church, not this building. The people are the church. We don't come to the church. We bring the church. So when they see you acting out in that way, that's what they see of the church. That's what they see of Jesus Christ. If all your family and all your friends sees it, if all that waiter sees at the restaurant you go to today is you, if that's all they see of Jesus, what do they think of Jesus? What do they think of Grace Family Worship Center? They know where you came from. You got all the Grace Family Worship Center shirts on. What do they think of this church? If we're acting, not just you, if we're acting that way, I'm guilty of it than anybody. God just gave me this message. It steps on my toes too. Participatory preacher. Amen. There you go. There you go. There you go. God's love is what they should see. They should see what God's love, and we pour in to them. My mother had a had a young man when she was when I was growing up. She was, my mom's been teaching Sunday school since I was probably five or six years old, and that's been a few years. For some of y'all, know how old I am. I went to school with somebody over here, but I'm not going to tell you because I don't want her to know. You, I don't want you to know she's as old as I am. My mother. My mother taught Sunday school though for twenty something years. <laughs> probably closer to 40 years okay so she taught Sunday school this long and she had a young man in her Sunday school class and he w- was a terrorist he'd run around and kick people in the shins want to tackle you try to wrestle with you whatever I was a young kid then but I was older than him but he was like this all the way up through his teenage years I mean he was just a handful he was trying and he drove my mom nuts a lot of days I'm sure and she saw him six or eight years ago and he'd become a, son, a, a children's pastor, a youth pastor. Think about that. You never know who you're showing God's love to. God loves all those people the same. No matter what they're acting like, no matter what they look like right now, Sunday school teachers, you don't know who you're poured into. Adult teachers, you don't know who you're poured into. Billy Graham was ministered to by someone. Are you following me? All these kids could grow up and be someone. Sometimes grace is so anointed, my, my little redhead up here, sometimes I think God called me to this church to preach at this church just to bring me closer to him, just to raise her here for whatever ministry she's going to be into. I've wondered that before. We don't know. We don't know what God's plan, plans are, but we should be pouring into them all the time, God's love. Are they seeing God's love in us, though? Are they seeing hypocrisy in us? Let me give you the definition for hypocrisy, then you can try it on and see if it's, that's what they're seeing in you. Right? Hypocrisy is the practice of professing beliefs, feelings, or virtues that one does not hold or possess. Insincerity. Is that what they see in this church? Is that what they're looking at when they see us? Or are they seeing God's love shining through us all the time? Or are they seeing hypocrisy shining through us? Or they see God's love sometimes and hypocrisy sometimes? We've got to find a balance. We've got to find a balance. We've been talking a lot about missional in our church, right? We started missional classes last week. They're going to be every other week. For those of you who are new here today, we'll have men's and women's meetings this, this Wednesday night. They're at 730. The men split up and the women split up, and, and they do their group, and the, and the teens uh, all go downstairs. Then we have younger kids in the nursery. 
come out for that. It's a good time. So we've been talking a lot about, that, that was your plug right there, babe. We've been talking a lot about uh, uh, being missional. And it's hard to be missional without love. It's about impossible to be missional without God's love shining through you. We're his representatives, the Bible calls us. His ambassadors. People won't care how much you know till they know how much you care. I think I heard that from Brother Stephen one time. They won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You've got to show your love to them or they're not listening. Luke 6.35 says, love your enemy. The world loves those who love them. It's easy to love somebody that loves you. It's easy to love somebody that's doing something nice to you. It's easy to love somebody that smells good. Want to hang out with them. Are you following me? But love your enemies. Love those who, who, who do wrong to you. Love them anyway. We can't love on our own anyhow. It's got to come through God. I'm going to show you that here in a minute in Scripture. <clears throat> Scripture says, sowing discord among the brethren is an abomination. Scripture says, there'll be loss of natural affection in 2 Timothy 3, 3 and Romans 1 and 26. Now, if, if, if church... If we're sowing discord among the brethren, obviously he's talking about the church to be, we're the brethren. If we're sowing discord among each other inside the church, and if there's a loss of natural affection, if we can't even love our parents, our kids, our church body, how will we love our enemies? How will we love the people outside the church? How will you love your, your neighbors? Isn't that what Jesus said the second most important thing to do? How will we do that when we're talking about each other inside the church? If we can't even love on each other right here, people of like faith, how are you going to love somebody when you go out and they challenge your beliefs in the world? How will you love them? We've got to find the balance, church. God has given love, his love, as a gift, his perfect and unconditional love. He's given it to us as a gift. It's in us, but we have to release it to others. We have to release his love to others. The word love in the Greek and <clears throat> the Hebrew is agape, right? Agape. It means affection, benevolence, or charity. How many people know what benevolence means? Good. Nobody's smarter than me. I didn't know what it meant either. Benevolence, I took the time to look it up for you. Benevolence means an inclination or tendency to do kind or charitable acts. Benevolence. An inclination or tendency to do kind or charitable acts. That's usually not us, church. That's usually not what our flesh wants to do. Usually our flesh is more worried about what's in it for me. What am I going to get out of this? If I give this to them, if I, if I pay my tithe, if, if, I, if I buy this person this thing they need, if I pay their light bill, how is that going to affect my financial situation? What's in it for me? We're usually not that kind of charitable. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a brand new creation, a brand new creature, right? Old things have passed away. How do you, get, how do you become in Christ? You have to come through the blood of Jesus, right? You have to be saved. By coming through the blood of Jesus, you have to repent. Repent means to turn away from your old sins. The things that you know that you're doing wrong, you turn away from those things. You ask for forgiveness. God takes that blood of Jesus and he wipes it clean in the, land, in, the, in the book of remembrance. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. You're on your way to heaven, right? So when we're saved, we're made a brand new creature. Old things have passed away. All the old dead things, when I was born, I was spiritually dead. Those old dead things that I did that were for the world, they're all passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. Who reconciled us? 
God reconciled me to him. He reconciled you to him through Jesus Christ. He used Jesus Christ, his son, so that we could be reconciled. He gave him as the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be reconciled back to God in that relationship that Adam messed up in the garden, right? Adam and Eve messed up in the garden and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Hold on right there. Given us the ministry of reconciliation. Who's in the ministry? Everyone who's came to Christ. Isn't that what it said? So if you've been saved, you've came to Christ, you've asked God to forgive you your sins, you're in the ministry. You may not be a preacher. You may not be a pastor. You may not be a teacher. You may not be an evangelist. But you are in the ministry of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Leading other people back to God, right? Through the blood of Jesus. Now, all things are of God. Okay, go ahead, sis. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God did it himself personally. God reconciled us back to him personally. It wasn't anybody else that did it. It wasn't me that did it. It wasn't you that did it, but God himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, not holding what they did wrong before, not holding them accountable for that anymore. I mean, there, there are, there are uh, consequences for everything that we do, but us as Christians shouldn't hold that against someone anymore. Now, if they're a pedophile or something, we can't let them around our kids. We don't have to be stupid about it. But we can't hold those sins against them anymore. You get what I'm saying? God didn't hold it against them. Why should we hold it against them? So why should we be talking about, oh, I knew her from before she came here. Do you know what she did? I knew that bald-headed preacher up on the hill before he came to be a preacher. You know what he did? He talked bad to me in an O'Reilly store one time. (laughs) Can't hold that against us anymore. You follow what I'm saying? Imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Hold on right there. The word of reconciliation. What is the word of reconciliation? The word right there means, in verse 19, a word uttered by a living voice. A word uttered by a living Who's a living voice? You're alive, right? You were made alive through Christ Jesus, right? Because you came through the blood, you were spiritually dead, you were made alive. A living voice. That's you. That's me. Anybody who's saved, that's us. That word that comes through us. I believe this goes further than a word because Jesus talked about actions. In the last parable that I told you about, did he not? He said, he said I was hungry and you fed me. I was, I was in prison and you came and see me. So words and actions. Can we go a little further with that right there? Words and actions. And what about your facial expressions? People say stuff to you sometimes and you make a really stupid face like, I can't believe you. I don't <laughs> You know what I'm talking about before you even think about it. What about our facial expressions? We can give a mean or a hateful look, a scowl to someone sometimes. What's that say to them? What's that saying to that person? Are you being a good representative of God when you do that? What about your voice tone? You can say something nice, but say it mean. You get what I'm saying? Verse 20 through 21 says this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, you get this? Through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So the same thing that he did through Christ, right? God personally gave his son as a sacrifice on the cross. Y'all follow me? This means, yeah, go ahead, preacher. Gave his son as a sacrifice on the cross so that we could be reconciled back to God. Now he's talking about through us, we're his ambassadors, as, as though God were pleading through me to you, through you to the world. Are you following me? To be reconciled with God. 
For he made him who knew no sin, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of him. We might become the righteousness of him. God, so, so God's love had to go through Jesus to us, to all the world. That means all the world is not just the people we like. All the world is not just my mom and my, my sister. I'd like to see them get saved. But man, that guy at work, I can't really stand him. That wasn't for you, Brother Stephen, but, but if it fits, put it on there and wear it around for a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's for our enemy, for our family. It's to the least of these. Jesus said, whatever you've done to the least of these, you did it to me. So if we're not sharing salvation with them, Brother Jim talked about this morning, if we're not sharing salvation with them, would their blood be on my hands? I don't want it on my hands. Anytime God tells me to tell somebody something, anytime God tells me to witness to somebody, I do it. And the people around me know that I do it. I don't, I mean, I got a lot of witnesses say that. I, I'll tell you quick. I don't care what you think of it because I'm going to have to stay. You, you can be mad at me or God can be mad at me. Let's just think about it like that. And I'm going to stand in front of him someday and I'm going to be judged by him. Yeah. And you can go ahead and be mad at me. I don't, whatever, I don't care. So, so we're reconciled by grace and it's only because God chose us first. You didn't choose God. I don't believe you even chose to be here today. Because nothing happens by chance. God calls us into places. He, he knew the end from the beginning. You were hand-selected to be here in this church at this time, to be part of the body of Christ for such a time as this. Think about this. How long, how long has there been humans on this earth? I mean, that's, that's, that's something that we could argue about, but say at least five or 6,000 years. You could have been born 100 years ago. You could be born 50 years from now. But God chose you hand-selected you to be here in 2018 to be around the people that you're going to be around in 2018. Are you following me? <clears throat> to be an instrument in their life, to show, that, show his love through, them, through, through you to them. James 1.26 says this, <clears throat> If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, oh, that's, that's, that's a lot right there, huh? This one's religion is useless. It's useless. Your religion is useless if you call yourself a Christian, but you don't bridle your own tongue. You're not showing love. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. You claim to have something, but you really don't have the fruits of it. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not on a soapbox talking down today. I'm telling you this hit me first. We've got to be careful of what we do and what we say. We've got to find a balance as Christians. We've got to portray ourselves as Christians all the time because all the time somebody's looking, somebody's watching, somebody's looking at you, and, and, and there's an image that we portray. I never knew that much about having an image until I became a pastor. Every decision that we make is critiqued by a lot of people. A lot of people look at it, and you've got to think about what would this one think, or what would this think, or what, what would this do here. Or that? You get what I'm saying. Some of you all know what I'm talking about. So you can be on God's construction crew or you can be on Satan's destruction crew. It's up to you. It's a choice that you make. But if you claim to be on God's construction crew, but you're working for the devil, it's not going to work out very good for you. Useless. Useless, the Bible says. I preached a message here about three years ago, and I'm on overtime already. I preached a message here. I was worried about not going long enough today. I preached a message here about three years ago, and the title was Sticks and Stones. And it wasn't about what I'm talking about today, but a little bit of it applied to it. And I thought it was really good. Sticks and Stones, you know, they're the same when we were kids. Sticks and Stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Remember that? 
Remember that? And we thought, yeah, that's true. Words could because we were thinking with our natural minds. We weren't thinking with our with our spiritual minds. And and it, words can cause psychological damage, and psychological damage can turn to physical damage. People can be damaged psychologically and cause them to put on weight, cause them to have health problems, cause them to have self-esteem issues, which cause health problems, stress, heart attacks, all from words can come out of those things, right? Psychological can be psychological issues are ongoing. Right? It could be an intimidation or confidence. It can work either way. You can lift someone up or you can pull someone down. Psychologically, I'm talking about. With your words. It could be years ago. Something that was said to you in the third grade back when you were a little boy or a little girl can still affect you today. It can affect your self-esteem today. What you think you're capable of doing. Right? How heavy you are. How depressed you are. Those things can be affected from, from years ago, or it can, be, it can affect you from just yesterday, right? It can lift you up, or it can pull you down. Words I'm talking about. Research shows that, on average, we open our mouth about 700 times a day to speak. 700 times a day, using 18,000 words, not to mention our faces and our goofy faces and stuff we make. We're, we're communicating with those things. Our body language communicates with each other, right? We can know what somebody's up to or what they're thinking sometimes by the way they move. Or their intentions are sometimes by the way they move. If you look at people a lot, I'm a people watcher. So, so 700 times a day, 18,000 words, not even to mention our body language and our, expression, our expressions. What are your words saying? What are your words saying today? God used words to create. Jesus used words to heal. Jesus was led by the Spirit, though. He didn't just walk around healing people wherever he felt like he should heal people at. He was led by the Spirit. The same way I've tried to teach the church to do it. We have to be led by the Spirit, our internal witness, right? That still small voice that speaks to you from inside. But whatever you're led to by the Spirit to do has to be applied to God's Word. God's Word has to be applied to it. It has to be checked by God's Word. So, so the Holy Ghost will strengthen us. He'll guide us if we'll press into Him. This was last week's message, right? If we'll press into Him, He'll lead us and He'll guide us. The truth is the Holy Ghost is always leading and guiding. But most of the time... We're not listening. We need to become more sensitive to the Spirit. He's always leading, but a lot of times we're not listening. Stop looking at and depending on yourself for things, to figure things out. Stop looking at and depending on others. You and other people, I will let you down. I'm a man. Don't look at me as a God figure. So many people have fallen out of churches because they look at the pastor, and the pastor does something wrong, so everybody falls out of church and does whatever they want to do again. The pastor's a man. All of us are men and women. We're of the flesh. Don't look at those people. They will let you down. People looking for something. People are looking for something genuine and real, though. The people that are looking at us to see our images, the people of the world, the people of inside the church, maybe, the people in our families. They're looking for something real. They're looking for something genuine. And if you're living this relationship that you have with Jesus Christ in a real and genuine way, 90% of them will listen to you. They will. I'm telling you from my own experience. They'll listen to you. They'll stop talking. I work in a factory where it's a pretty rough, pretty rough neighborhood. And, and 90% of the time, the people will listen to you if you're living real and genuine. And they'll stop talking dirty around you. They'll stop telling the dirty jokes. You follow what I'm saying? They'll quit doing those things. And, and some of them, a few of them, will come to you and ask you to pray for them. They'll come to you for prayer when something happens in their family. Because they believe that you're genuine. They're looking for that. And sooner or later, you'll be able to lead some of them to God. 
because they can see that what you've got is different than what they've got. It's different. Our church mirrors individuals' lives. Mirrors individuals' lives. So what the world thinks of the church is what you look like and what I look like in our everyday life. That's what the world thinks of the church. It's not about what sign we put up and how manicured Brother Winston keeps the yard, how, how nice the new siding we have is and we got new windows. It's not about that. It's not even about the Bible so much because they're not reading the Bible anyway if they live in the world. Most of them aren't. They're looking at us. And what we look like is what they think of the church. Our image that we're portraying in the world, that's what they think of the church. God deserves our absolute best, does he not? He gave his son as a sacrifice so that you could be saved, so that you could be reconciled, so that I could be reconciled back to him. What more could he give to us? What does he deserve out of us? He deserves our absolute best, absolute best. Think about that today. I know that this applies to some of us. We have a lot of visitors here today, so we're going to talk about Jesus for a minute. All right? I know it's getting late. They'll still have hamburgers when you get there. <laughs> Anybody here today that's not saved? Can I see your hand real quick? Anybody here today that's willing to come to the altar? And maybe it's been a while since you've talked to God. Maybe you've been saved, but you haven't asked for forgiveness for a while. There's some stuff that's between you and God. Would you be willing to come to the altar today? We have people here who would love to pray with you. I know my wife would love to pray with you. Brother Stephan would love to pray with you. There are people here who would love to pray with you. Come to the altar if you want to pray. Anybody here that's been a while for God, that you've talked to God? Maybe you don't know God at all. Maybe this is your first time hearing this, that you need to come through the blood of Jesus to make it to heaven. Maybe that's you. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. Maybe you've heard about it before, but you've never really accepted him as your personal Savior. Maybe that's you. Come to the altar today. Can I get everyone to bow their heads? All right, with nobody looking around, I'm not going to call you out. I want to give you this opportunity. I feel that the Spirit's working on someone here today. If that's you, show me your hand. I'll just... We'll, we'll all pray together, and I won't call you out. Nobody will know about it. If that's you, and you want to receive Jesus as your personal Savior today, could I see your hand? Anybody? Any takers? All right, guys. I'm not going to tear you long on this. Let's go ahead and pray if we would. Daddy, we thank you for this day, Lord. I love you, Father, and I praise you, Father, Lord. I pray that whoever this is you're dealing with here today, Lord, that you would just draw them close to you, Lord, not let up on them, Lord. Convict them and convince them, Father God. Don't let them sleep. Don't let them eat, Father God. Don't give them peace or rest, Father, until they turn and come to you, Lord. I pray for their salvation today, Daddy. I pray that you would have your way in their lives today, Father God. Lord, if there's any foul spirits in this building today that are plaguing people, I pray that you would just cast them out, Lord. Cast them away from these people, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for this, Daddy, and we praise your name, Father. I pray that you would have your way in this congregation, have your way in this church, Father. I pray that you would grow us, Lord, and cause us to help us, Lord, to remember to find the balance, Father. When we speak out in a way that we shouldn't, Lord, when our actions, our facial expressions look like they shouldn't, Father, I pray that you would remind us to find the balance, Lord, to look like you, Father God to show your love through us all the time, Father. 
all the time, Daddy. And I pray that you would show this group of people, Lord, souls saved for your kingdom, Daddy. In Jesus' name, we pray these things, Daddy. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Shake hands and come out smiling.